Hello everyone, a real quick message from me. I wanted to say a massive thank you for your support this year with the show, with the podcast. It means a lot and it enables us to continue to grow the show and make it even better. Like we did last year, what we're going to do over the next couple of days is give you a replay of the most listened to episodes, the top five. So I'm going to let you enjoy that. Have a fantastic Christmas and a massive thank you to our podcast sponsors that continue to make this show happen and and support our mission. Enjoy the episode. So, John, welcome to the podcast. Thanks. And hi, I'm Hisham, obviously. Thanks so much for that brilliant introduction. I don't think I could have said it better myself. (laughs) No, I'm really, really looking forward to this. So where we always like to start is probably a question that you thought a lot about in your sort of business owner journey. So let's just start with like, what, what are your thoughts and opinions on what characteristics and traits do you really believe make up a highly successful recruitment consultant in in today's market in, in the modern day? Yeah, no, it's a really good question and one that we think about every day, really. But but I think in this current market, in this moment, I think someone naturally who is hardworking. I've seen quite a lot of people who are talented or who are good salespeople, but if they don't have that kind of work ethic, I think often it can not really work out too well. For me per- personally, I think somebody who is a good listener, that's often overlooked, I think, in our industry. We have two two ears and one mouth for a reason, I think. <laughs> and this kind of stereotype a lot of people might have when they get into the industry that they have to be loud and have the gift of the, the, of the gab, I personally think is wrong. So I think when, when you listen, you learn so much. So that's really important for me. And, and I think as well, um, being humble, and having humility you know is really important too because this job you know nothing can kick you down as much as this this industry i think and it's important to have that kind of humble open mind and willingness to learn and learn and accept that you're not necessarily perfect um, especially when you begin but that's part of the process i think that those those two or three things are really important love it so just to frame this up for everyone there's there's quite a few things that we want to cover here so just, just to give everyone a bit of a flavour of the things that we want to make sure we talk about, we're going to talk about a lot of the time your your journey as, as a business owner, mm-hmm. but we're going to touch on, obviously you, obviously, yeah, climbing the, the ranks at Optimus. Obviously, you're really open around your journey with mental health, your stammer, ADHD. So we're going to make sure that we we talk about that. And I know, obviously, yeah, the, I, I've, I really like how you've executed your rebrand. I think it looks, it looks different, it looks fresh. So yeah, I definitely want to talk to you about that and what you've experienced, what you've learned to quite quite a few things. So let's, cool. I guess, let's just start. We don't, we don't need to take it all the way to the beginning, but let's just think about those sort of first three and a half years of working in recruitment. Mm-hmm. I guess the first thing that would be great to, to hear from you was just really like looking back at those sort of first years, first 18 months. In hindsight, what were some of the things that you think you really had to, to, to learn or what you learned from that, that period, do you think? What comes up for you when we look back at that, that part of your career? What did you learn most, do you think, about being a better recruiter, becoming a more high-performing recruiter? What, what did you have to learn in those early days? Yeah, um, you know, those, those early days, 10 years ago now, they, 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 they were the most important years of my recruitment career that's where I learned everything that I know now and made lots of mistakes and had to really dig deeper a lot of the time when I got into the industry and you touched on it already I have a speech impediment I I have a stutter and when I got into the industry the last thing I thought I would ever do was work in a phone-based outbound sales job It, (laughs) it was my worst nightmare um, honestly, and even still today, I think how how has this happened? But it was something, you know, I, I was in a situation where I had to do well, and my motivation was extremely high because I was living on my mum's sofa for the first, you know, six months. I'd come back from wow. uni, didn't know what I wanted to do. I, I had a German degree, and I was like, what, what the hell am I going to do? <laughs> and like most people, you know, who would listen to this, and most people, and a lot of people in the in- industry, they don't grow up thinking of being a recruiter. You know, they they don't dream of being a recruitment consultant. I didn't even know what it was really. And, and those first six months, they were, you know, really so important. There were times, most of the time, I, you know, didn't like it, didn't in- enjoy it. I was well out of my comfort zone. I, you know, when you have a candidate who 
who drops or mm. uh, you have those tough experiences in the first few months. I think, if, you know, what I took from it most, I think, was that I, I learned more about myself as a person mm. in those in those first few years, like even more so than anything I learned about being a recruiter. I think I, I, I became the person that I am. And before I got into the, the industry, I don't think I had a great idea about who I was. Let me ask you something on that, because... I, I love that. Thanks for sharing that. I guess so. The question that I sort of recently asked people that were sort of like their first year in recruitment, just to give people a bit of an insight on like that first year journey and people actually who are in it right now. And, and the question was just like, what did you learn about yourself or what did you get out of recruitment that you least expected? Because I'm sure you went into it going, right, I'm going to get off my mum's sofa, I'm going to be earning money, like these mm. things. But you just said there, you find out more about yourself. So what, what were some of the things that happened to you personally that you just least expected? Yeah, it was quite a whirlwind, I think. You know, it, it was almost like night and day. Like the first weeks, the first few months were like so difficult. And, yeah. you know, I wasn't getting anywhere until about month five, I think. And I think I did my first placement in, yeah, in month five. And then after I did that first, first one, I didn't stop doing them. It was like night, night and day, something clicked. But yeah, like... I I felt that like if I didn't give this my best shot, then I'm not going to make myself proud. And I think that was what I learned most as well. Was, was like I am capable of doing these things that I didn't think I could. I am capable of talking to these high level CEOs or CTOs or guys and girls who have been in the in industry for years. Whereas in your first few weeks, you know, I'm happy to admit I was petrified. You know, yeah. I I had one boss on this, you know, one director on this side, one the director on the other side of me, and it you know, I kind of had to do it, you know, otherwise I would have lost my job. So it's like being forced kind kind of, but obviously choosing to do it. And you learn so much about yourself. And I realized that I had this kind of resilience that I didn't realize that I already had. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, like just, yeah. I, yeah, like you said, you realized what you were capable of. Like you may have doubted yourself and you just, you kept doing more and you kept surprising yourself. And what, Obviously, when you then realize that, it's like, okay, wow, what else can I do? What else can I achieve? What else can I put my mind to, right? And and do things that I didn't least expect. So I think I think that's amazing, mate. We're going to talk about the stamina piece. I, I, like, I want to go through that with you. But I just obviously noticed on your LinkedIn, like you sort of say that on your LinkedIn, that the first couple of months you're really finding your feet, you struggled. Then you just had a bit of a sort of, yeah, like you said, it sort of clicked. And then you went mm. on to being like the top performer for like three years straight. So let's just talk yeah. about that because most people that listen to this podcast will want to achieve, will likely have on their goals this year or next year that they want to be the top biller, the top performer, whatever. Let's just sort of unpack that a bit. Like, so mm. you said that you, you kept trying, you, you kept putting yourself out there, you realized your potential, but what were some of the things that you really started to get right? It could be on the BD side, it could be on the candidate side, I don't know. Looking back, what do you think really enabled you to, to unlock that potential yeah. to achieve those accolades that I'm sure a lot of people in the office were, were gunning for as well? Yeah, I think the biggest thing for me was that I was very good at the candidate side. Okay. I think it's, again, it's like a bit of a myth, like a lot of people come into the industry and of course, you know, clients are hugely important, like you have to have clients but i thought i found myself that like if i was candidate led and candidate focused then the clients would also come and they'd be happy as well you can have all the clients in the world but if you if if you can't deliver on that candidate side then yeah it, again it's not going to work and i think what i did very well was where uh i i believe that i really understood what the candidates wanted i would have really in-depth conversations with each candidate but i would quickly know in the first five minutes by asking a few good questions what really makes this can candidate tick if this candidate they have all the skills but if it's not if this opportunity that i'm trying to offer them isn't right for them they're never going to take it and there's no point trying to put a square into a round hole, you know, it's just not going to work. And so that's what I teach my team now is, you know, from the first phone, phone call, like you have to get a really good idea what the candidate wants, what really makes them tick. And it's much more difficult, I think, in this day yeah. um, where in our tech market, the candidates have so much choice. But yeah, I think it was my, my focus on the candidate side and really trying to give them a genuine service and understanding where I should put my time. That is key. Mm. If you have loads of half hour conversations with can candidates that never really end up anywhere, you're not going to achieve what you want to achieve by prioritizing, okay, this candidate is super invested. This candidate really wants this job and I can control the situation or influence it. They should get 
your time if you have a candidate who really isn't invested but maybe the client likes them or they're really highly skilled like they still have your time but maybe not so much so i think time management is really really crucial and i think another thing in hindsight i don't think I, i really knew this at the time but in hindsight one thing that made me stand out to clients i think was was that they could trust me i wasn't and i'm not your typical recruiter yeah i had a very different approach and i think i was memorable as well because of my speech, perhaps, because of the fact that I could speak some, some uh, German to my clients as well, and I would just try different things. And I, f- I think a big thing, especially when you're beginning in this job, it's so easy to do what everybody else is doing, but it's what makes you memorable that sticks in someone's mind. You need to get a client to, when you call them, to go, oh, it's John, yeah, I know yeah. you, cool, great. Or, or a candidate, hey, like, it's John, I know you, you helped me last last time, or you gave me some good advice. I think it's being memorable is really, really, really important. Yeah, love it. So just quickly, I'm sure people will want me to ask this because as you quite rightly pointed out, really difficult right now, candidates are sport for choice. Mm. So it's crazy, right? Because what you're talking about, you'd like to think it makes common sense, right? Double down on like really understanding what the candidate wants, really make sure that you're talking to them about opportunities that are sort of aligned with that. Give people the time that are committing time to you. And like, it just sort of made, like, why would you not be doing that? But it's crazy, right? That obviously there's just been this whole period of like transactional recruitment and, and you just decided to go, no, I'm going to really double down on these relationships. And clearly that that's had a real impact on your performance. But what I wanted to ask was, so, you know, you said around you, you got quite good at understanding what made them tick just to get really practical here because i'm sure people would want me to ask what what are some of your like go-to questions on that because i think that could be really helpful for people particularly right now what's your advice around just quickly on like actually getting good at that which is something clearly that you pride yourself on yeah i think too many recruiters will say hey it's john here from thrive um i've got a brilliant opportunity for you blah blah blah. it's rubbish it's crap the first thing you need to ask is what you know what not even what would your ideal job look like but when you think of your ideal job, how does that look? And being very specific in that question as well, because it's a very open question. And then somebody might say something that challenges me or um, progression, you know, a or, cool text, like, etc. Yeah. Et but, but all those things are really surface level things. But you ask them again, you know, what specifically about progression? You know, what does progression mean to you? And then you just say, say again, you know, why, 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 why? And then perhaps even ask it again. So when you say progression is important to me because of this, 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 and this, why? Why is that important? Can you be specific? The more specific you are, and of course, you know, some candidates might not want to go into that depth, but it's so important because if you don't know what they want, you can't help them. Yeah, yeah. No, I love that. Great, great advice. Again, it's that commitment to listening, as you said earlier on. And then, as you said, that yeah, being intentional around the questions and don't treat it as a tick box exercise, right? John's time is off a progression tick, right? Onto the next thing, right? Which, as you said, we can keep it surface level. So it's just making sure that you stop yourself of like treating it as a bit of a tick box exercise and going, okay, John, you know, you said that this is what you said around progression. Tell me a bit more about that. Shut up, listen. And then again, keep probing, keep asking why. And then that, as you said, that can really help you uncover the actual true reason or the true motivators and drivers that then you need to get good at aligning with the job opportunities or the, the, the clients that you work with? Yeah, I think that we as recruiters, especially when we begin, and it's through no fault of our own, we want things to happen. We want to do that first deal. We want to get these interviews, make, make our clients happy, hit our targets. But, you know, it just, we assume a lot. Mm. And I think assumptions are one thing that we at Thrive like, like try, try to deal with very, very early on because just because you think that Facebook is a cool company to work at doesn't mean that, that other people do. Just because you assume that this is a great job or a lot of money or this, this or that, that yeah. doesn't mean anything really unless you really know what someone wants. Yeah, love that. So keen to go into then you becoming a, a business owner on that journey. But let's just talk about your journey uh, with your stamina, John, if that's okay. Sure. And yeah, I've seen a couple of your videos. Like I saw your video the other day talking about it, which is brilliant. And I know that this is obviously like really important to you. So I guess what what I just love to find out is just a bit about your journey with sort of, I guess, not letting it. What's the word? 
want to say like not letting it define you, but what I mean by that is like not letting it like hold you back is, is what I mean by that. Cause I just honestly want to say like kudos to you to, like you said, being in an environment where you have to be on the phone speaking, like no doubt every single day, that's something that you have to pluck up a lot of courage to do compared to maybe some people that obviously don't have to deal with that. Yeah. I just want to really just say kudos to that. Cause I know growing up, like how old are you, John? Uh, 32. Yeah, so I'm 28, right? So uh-huh. we were sort of on that cusp of like social media and stuff like that as we were growing up. Mm-hmm, but like mm-hmm. school is a fucking horrible place, mate. <laughs> when you have it, like yeah. a thing like a stammer yeah. and stuff. Like I remember we had a friend, right? And I'm just being completely honest here. We had a friend. And I got, I got my fair stuff as well. My name's Hisham. I'm a white guy. I was brought up Muslim. So I, I there's all the things that mm-hmm. make you who you are is what people pick on, right? So I remember we had a friend called Dexter who had a stammer and we literally used to call him Dex. That That's literally mm-hmm, what we mm-hmm. used to do, right? So I, I know there would be so many sort of highs and lows of this, but like, I guess, would you mind just sharing, like for anyone that might be listening that might be on the journey or these things, like how have you gone about, like I said, not letting it define you and, and hold you back? Like what's been your journey with it for anyone listening that might be on a similar journey with something else but could relate? This podcast is proudly partnered with Vincherry, the recruitment operating system for your front, middle, and back office. So I recently recorded a podcast with James Layton from the Anderson James Group, which will be out really soon. And as part of our conversation, we got into the topic of the best tools that he's invested in so far in his business journey. And guess what? Vincherry was up there and also Sourcebreaker was. But in this very short snippet, you're going to hear why James is so happy to be a Vincherry customer. And look, who's better to tell you about their product and why you should be considering Vincherry as your operating system partner than their customers themselves. Here's what James had to say. We implemented Vincherry right in the heat of lockdown. We decided that it was the right time. The old system that we used was clunky. I'm a real, real, real believer of Vincherry as a system. I must have recommended 20 people to Vincherry over the years because I think they're going to change the game. And I can say that wholeheartedly, having used Bullhorn and another product, I can say that Vincherry is number one in that world for a growing recruitment business because it's intuitive, it's got intelligence suites, it's got everything that you probably need to... Yeah, it's a whole operating system, not just a CRM, is it? Is this the whole point? Yeah, it's, and yeah. It, it's brilliant. And they're brilliant. Like, you know, Eloise and the team there, they're, they're great. And they're always there if you need them for anything. Yeah, I mean, it does, it is a very central part of my character. But I remember, like, I, I was fortunate. I When I was six, 16, I went to, like, an intensive speech therapy course. Up until that point, I really, really couldn't talk much at all because really? I chose... Yeah, I, because I, I chose not to almost because it was it was too embarrassing or to avoid that um, embarrassment. Yeah, yeah, I like the anxiety was like huge, and yeah, in the same way, and it's not everyone's take the piss. It's horrible, yeah, mate. It's cool, no. you can imagine. Yeah, but it, it, like, like as an adult, obviously, like that happens, and that that happens in in um, school. But no, I think you know, for me, like I, it's so important, but it's important in a good way because if I didn't have a st- Stutter. If I didn't have the experiences that I've had, then I wouldn't be who I am. And I think that one part of myself, like as a person and as a recruiter and a business owner that I'm proud of is that I'm quite um, humble. And that comes from the experiences that I've had. And, you know, get, getting called John is is not very nice. And going into a coffee shop, you know, now and still, still, you know, I find it difficult yeah. to say, can I have this, please? Um, and you, you get looks in this, but it doesn't really matter, really, because I think it, it everybody has their own thing or things. And I truly believe that it's made me who I am. And I think that I didn't know that when I was younger, I hated oh, you it. Don't. I yeah. I hated, you know, I would give anything to not you have do anything thing. to fit in. That's what you do when you're younger, that you do yeah. anything. You'd want those things taken away. Yeah. And I think that recruitment gave me the confidence with my speech as well, because again, it was like on day one, you know, here's a phone, call up this guy. Like, and I'm like, Oh, fuck. yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's like, <laughs> what am I going to do? But doing it and doing it. And I, I got some abuse on the phones as well. Like I, I remember one time, a candidate sent an email to my boss saying like, how can you have this guy on the phone? It's a, it's a disgrace. He's, wow. You know, like you can't understand him. He's, and that, that, you know, hurts obviously, but also it fires something in, in me. Like I like three people wrong. I like being the underdog. And I think that, that, that that's a really like strong 
kind of asset to have but you know it 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 shaped me profoundly but i think in a good way and i wouldn't yeah. change it for anything and yeah like, like i think that that hardship is is a profound thing in our industry as well because it, it requires resilience in our job and i think that it's only done good things for me and again, and again you know some of the clients that i i had you know i'm fairly sure they they came back to me or they liked me just because i was different yeah so yeah it's a very in- interesting one yeah yeah i mean there's loads i'd love to talk to you about it i guess i guess the only thing i'll just be interested to get your take on because you're right it's just really weird this this sort of journey right where as you're younger you do anything to fit in mm-hmm. but and then as you get older not all the time, but this is definitely how I've found. It seems like you have as well. It's like, but as you get older, the actual things that make you different are the things you're actually most proudest about, if you get what I mean. And they're the exact things that you'd try and like avoid, like you'd avoid when you were younger because you wanted to fit in. So it's just so weird how it works out. Because if I could go and speak to myself when I was like, yeah, like if I was getting taken the piss out of or getting picked on for certain things, I'd be like, Hisham, don't hide, like, don't hide who you are, like own it. And like the quicker, I think it's just the quicker that you can get comfortable with owning it and being comfortable with that rather than looking at as you looking at as something that yeah makes you different in a negative way is, is when you can more quickly look at it in the way that you're looking at it. So I guess I just wanted to ask you like for anyone listening that whatever it may be and they've maybe looking at it as a way of like i don't want this or this is making me stick out in a bad way and stuff i don't know what what's been uh, there'll be loads that we could talk about this but like what's been the process of you like looking at it in a positive way do you get what i mean because i'm sure that's been a journey yeah so i don't know if there's any advice there for someone to uh, yeah like if you could speak to them to to the could start going on that journey yeah i think acceptance is huge like you can't change change a lot of things like acceptance like you accepting it yourself like this is i yeah. can't change it i'm that's the first thing accepting it yourself yeah yeah like you can't change it necessarily or like it might take a while to change the situation but i think like being optimistic and being hopeful having good people around you i think is really really key like having a mentor or being a being part of a peer network you know yeah. trying to get rid of negative like influences around you i think and i think that especially when people are younger like they need good influences around them our industry can be pretty crap for that i think but i think like a lot of companies now have this kind of modern approach to really trying to offer support but i think you know it's different for every person and yeah if i gave an 18 year old me this advice i'd be like yeah okay cool you know <laughs> so i think it's, <laughs> it's 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 um it's a really tr- tricky one but everyone finds their feet and i think that if i was to talk to a kid who had a stutter now i'd say it will be okay it will be okay yeah. this is really you might not see it now but but this is you and this is a brilliant thing and yeah again like coming back to our industry this is why our industry is so brilliant i do believe in its best form in its purest form it's i the word meritocracy is thrown around so yeah. so easily but it is an industry where young old you know regardless of your your religion color of your skin whatever you do your background like it is a leveler and you can create kind of your own destiny part of that career but yeah it's a it's an interesting one but but i think that everyone has their own things and i think yeah like it teaches you a lot and Mm. it's a brilliant thing when you have to learn some things the hard way i think hardship can be a good thing because it's where learning happens yeah no yeah i think yeah it all starts with acceptance i really love that so let, let's segue this then. So John John Lennon, the business owner. So I know you've been on a bit of a journey, right? So like two years ago, you is it two years? You It wasn't two years ago you rebranded, was it? it was, when did you rebrand to Thrive? Well, we've rebranded twice, actually. Oh, okay. um, 2019, yeah, two years ago. So uh, we were previously known as Lennon, right? Wasn't really a name that I, I liked. I've never been like a massive fan of having your own name and it sounded a bit like an estate agent or a legal firm or, <laughs> um, but yeah. Uh, so yeah, two years ago, uh, we changed from Lennon Right to Thrive. Um, and then last year, um, in August, I hired our marketing manager, JL, brilliant, fantastic person. And the first thing she said to me essentially was, John, you need to rebrand again. <laughs> um, rebrand. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 
All right. So let, let's let's break this. So let's just paint a picture for people. So when you started the business, you started with a business partner, yeah. right? It's called Lennon Wright. Mm-hmm. So you've been going for nearly yeah seven seven years mm-hmm. now. Um, Lennon Wright thing, and then so that's where you started. And then where are you now as a business? Like how many people are there and, and those types of things? Yes. So we're still you know relatively you know small. We're seventeen people. And we are focused, you know, exclusively on the German tech market. We have like a pretty big for our size kind of back office team. So we have two people, three people soon in marketing. Um, We have three people focused on admin and operations. And I think a lot of people might think I'm a bit mad for that. But having that strong support team enables our sales team to do so much more. So that, you know, I'm very happy with that. This time a year ago, we were, you know, half the size. So we've kind of doubled this 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 year in terms of headcount, but we've got a very ambitious three-year plan uh, to become the number one tech uh, recruiter in Germany, mm-hmm. be a company of 100 plus pe- people, but more importantly, be a company where people want to work for and stay and have a career, like a, a genuine career where they can pro- progress. But yeah, yeah, at the moment, that's where we're at. Yeah, no, lovely. Great, great overview. So I'm quite keen to, because I, I feel like I know when we spoke before, you feel like you've been, in the last like couple of years, you've been on the sort of bit of a rebirth journey. It yeah. felt like it felt like whenever I spoke to you and stuff. So I guess I, I want to sort of focus on that because there'll be loads of things in there that you learn on that, like in hindsight, that I think would be really beneficial for people. So when was it that you obviously parted ways amicably with your business partner? Was that two years, you said two years ago? I think I'm wrong. I think it's Three years ago. <laughs> um, Three years. But okay. yeah, um, so so um, myself and a guy called Rob Wright, uh, we, he used to work for a company called Rock Search. Lennon Wright, there we go. There, there you go, yeah. Um, and he was a fantastic, he is a fantastic recruiter. Uh, he was more of a contract-focused guy. I was a perm guy. We thought, perfect, you know. Um, yeah. And, you know, we did very, very well. Um, we got on well. We kind of grew the team out well. We made loads of mistakes, a lot of mistakes, um, but we did a lot of good things as well. But we were kind of focused on Germany mainly, but we did bits in the UK, Netherlands. America as and well. then we decided to, to try and crack the American market. Rob moved over to America and he's, he's settled down there now. And we had a few people here in London doing it too. But quite frankly, for me, it didn't work. I could see the effect yeah. that the, the kind of having to do later hours was having on a few members of our team. And I felt that we weren't really famous for anything because we were doing America and Germany, but it felt like two very different com- companies. So me and Rob, you know, de- decided that, as she said, um, to am- amicably part ways. And I made a very conscious choice to write, we are Germany. This is all we do. This is yeah. what we're famous for, really. Um, it's all I know. And so let's double down and nailed this and so the first thing we did was rebrand to thrive and our colors were still blue and yellow because they were what our colors were before as Lennon right and it was all good all fantastic uh we had a decent brand but essentially we were still kind of me a marketing assistant and like a lot of sales guys and girls and i think it wasn't until that rebrand that things changed and things really started yeah. to kind of kick off and the last two years has just gone like that really yeah. So, so, okay, cool. So that, that's what I'm keen to unpack. So let's just, what, what I'm, what I think the people would be interested to hear is that firstly, so, cause I've asked this a few times and I think it's just interesting for people. So I think most people, if they were to start a recruitment business mm-hmm. would rather do it with another person than do it on themselves from, from the conversations that I've had. Yeah. So the, the question I have for you is sort of is, is twofold really one for anyone listening to this that does have a co-founder, what advice would you give them to, I guess, like give them the best possible chance of like making sure that they're both aligned and, and going in the same direction? Cause sometimes that can be a, a, a challenge, right? And then two, like how did you make sure that you it did end amicably? Cause it doesn't always <laughs> is, what, is what I wanted to ask you. So how did you make sure you were both aligned? And then how did you make sure like, yeah, you just didn't, it didn't go sour? This podcast is proudly partnered with the award-winning Sourcebreaker. And all I wanted to tell you about today is one of their recent really useful and valuable articles. So a lot of you right now are probably thinking, how can I tap into 
more talent pools? How can I get more relevant candidates showing up in my searches, whether that's on your CRM, LinkedIn, wherever it may be? Well, this is Sourcebreakers World. So what they've recently done is published an article called The Power of Search, Five Ways You Can Improve Your Candidate Pool. So in this really short article, you will walk away with five practical ways that you can uncover and find talent that you're looking for that maybe might not show up if you're just using the the current ways of searching and what you're doing. I mean, what they've found from all of the surveys and data that they can look at is like 48% of searches typically contain errors. So if you want practical ways that you can uncover talent that you may be missing, click the link in the show notes, read the power of search, uh, get those tips, walk away with them, start using them, and let us know how you get on with those five tips and if you find some more people. Enjoy. Yeah, so um, myself and Rob, we weren't, you know, best, best, best mates, but we were like acquaintances of, uh, of some common friends, and so we knew each other quite well, and that was a really good basis. Yeah. For the future, we didn't have any kind of, you know, signed um, agreement that says, you know, if this happens, this happens. And, yeah. you know, if this goes wrong, this happens. So that would be one thing that I'd recommend. Get some things written have, down. Have that in place be- before you even begin, because that solves a lot of issues further down the line. But, but I think, you know, in hindsight, again, like it's about being being open, being like really transparent with each other. I I couldn't and I, I wouldn't, I don't think, have set up Thrive on my own. I don't know if I, I, if I had that like push at the time to, to want to do that and having the support of, of Rob was instrumental, but I think, you know, just over time it just changes and that, and that's fine too. When it came down to, to, you know, the like buyout essentially, you know, I think we, we were both on a really similar page, so it wasn't acrimonious in any way, really. And like we're in contact and we chat still and, you know, it's all good. We wanted different things and that's normal and that's fine. But yeah, like, if there's anyone you know who's thinking about setting up a business or i think a lot of it is it's not as easy as as you might think it is um yeah. when i got into the in, in, uh when i got to setting up the company like you you always think you know i can do this better than my boss and yeah, uh, yeah. i can do this a million ways but it's i think having a good network and support is really really crucial and that's where having a co-founder can be really helpful because it's a, it can be tough you know okay Nice. So let's just go into the last two years then, because clearly, yeah, like you said, like you've, this is where the real sort of, um, I don't want to just discount all those early years, of -hmm, course, mm -hmm. but I I guess to be fair on that, you said, just to make sure we do touch on it. So you said you made a lot of mistakes. Like what, what would you say were some of the biggest mistakes you made in those first few years? Yeah. I kind of see the first four years almost as like, that was our mistake phase. (laughs) I mean, I still make them now, but (laughs) I I guess the, the biggest one was like, we hired some good friends of us and that just doesn't work it just doesn't work at all we thought we were, we were being really clever that it happens to be rob's best mate and my best mate too but rob would manage my best mate and i would manage his best mate and it'd be fine <laughs> and it was fine for about a year you know really making a lot of money doing very well everyone happy and then it just it just like imploded and it, it was a you know it was a serious time where you know like the relationships with, with those guys aren't the same anymore so I think, you know, one key rule is, you know, don't don't go into business with um, friends, I think. Um, <laughs> don't just hire loads of your mates. Yeah, yeah, it didn't work for us. And, and yeah, like, I, I think also, like, we were trying to be too broad. We were trying to do little bits here and there because, obviously, in, in your first few years, it's tough cash flow, finances, et cetera. Like, you want to just want to do deals anywhere. And I think if I could go back in time, uh, I would have chosen for us to do one thing very 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 well and another thing as well is that marketing branding in my opinion is absolutely crucial and i would hire you know an internal marketing manager and and even an operations or or kind of administrative assistant too because what i know now is that having that support and that expertise would have been a game-changing in the early days where no one knows who you are you're, you know, yeah. like, like, like you can't approach your old clients, all this stuff. No one knows who you are. Your website costs a hundred quid off, off, off Wix or something. And you know, like that, the brand I think is key. Thanks for being honest. So let's just talk about, cause it was one of the yeah, early things that you said. Talk to us about like 
what so before as you said you're doing a few bits in america uk all of that so talk to us about what why would you say to someone listen to this like they should really make sure that because you hear all the time now like having a niche right and i'm just always interested to hear from people like what being niche means to them so like when you rebranded and it was thriving like right we're just going to do germany like how Mm -hmm. did you break that down for it to be so obviously germany is that's part of the niche because you're only doing one location but then how have you now like made it even more niche if you have like how does it now work yeah so yeah like again i'm saying kind of niche 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 but at the same time like when you're a smaller company, I think like, like you have to, uh, you know, look at other opportunities as well. So our niche really is German tech, but that in itself is huge. So we have broken it down into what we call critical and emerging tech, but really okay. that is, that is broad. So, you know, like what we're trying to do is a balancing act. And, but like, as we grow, the intention is, is to become much more kind of niche, but I think there's a big opportunity there for companies to, yeah, if you're known for one thing only, and even if that thing is relatively broad, if you're known for one thing only, that can only be good because you are known as the experts. People start to hear about you. If you're a jack of all trades and you do little bits, your impact on that market is so, so, so small and because you're spread so, so far. But yeah. for us, you know, Germany tech is very broad, but it's also quite niche. And over the last two years, especially, we have seen the impact of that by so many clients, candidates, um, you know, people coming to us, which didn't really happen in the first few years because we weren't famous for anything. So I think it's about being famous. Yeah. And then, so just because I think people would be interested. So how, so you've got critical tech, emerging tech, all yeah. in Germany. How do you then break it down? Do you then have people doing like particular roles? Do you have people doing, I don't know, how do you then break it down a bit more or have, or do you? Yeah, so we we kind of break it down based on location. So okay. um, in our team, it's it's kind of mainly Berlin, Munich, and Hamburg, North Rhine, Westfalen. So it's more like location based. And then within those teams, there are people who are more focused on say front end software development, back end, or data. Got it. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. So let because I, I have to ask you. I wanted to make sure we ask this, and then we'll carry on the the sort of business journey. Where like I, I definitely see this, like people are really conscious of like making sure that they, that in terms of their portfolio as a recruitment business is a diversified. So it's not just all in UK. They might want to have a team in UK, Germany, America, right? Which makes sense why you would obviously trying to do different things. So I think most people would say the UK market is so fucking saturated and you might even start to say the same for Germany now, because I, I do mm-hmm. see more and more it's recruitment beginning. companies that only do Germany or only do Netherlands, etc. So, I mean, you don't have to give all of your secrets away, but just, just curious, like if I was a UK recruit right now and I might be sp- speaking to you and I've never done the German market before, but I've done the UK market, like what things would you say, don't do this, Hisham, or like avoid doing this? Like where do people go wrong when trying to take their recruitment skills or try and build their recruitment desk in the German market after maybe working in the UK market? What are the nuances that you maybe had to learn the hard way? Don't try and be a British recruiter i think like um <laughs> it's it's it, there's like so many nuances and i think i i have an advantage because i, I did german and i lived yeah, in austria yeah. in germany and all this but like too too, too many people like they think it will work you know th- that's what we found out in america as well is like we had to learn the hard way that you can't necessarily apply the british way of doing things to there because it's a different cult- culture similar similarly in germany or, or ne- netherlands or anywhere um like you have to tweak things and obviously like the british recruitment in, in, industry is very well regarded as being the, the the kind of you know the number one best best quality best results yeah. but like you have to adapt to that local culture and it's just even very very small things like if you're talking to a can- candidate who's from another country or a client from another country don't use english phrases that they, they won't <laughs> un- understand you know if you say yeah. Oh, it's a game of two halves, or you know, like they, they don't understand it. So yeah, yeah. I, I think it's about talking a lot more slowly as well, and just trying to kind of, kind of immerse yourself in that culture. So whether that is trying to read the in, in English, um, but like you know, read like lo- local yeah. news, or just knowing about that country, like you have to visit it and you have to try and understand it because it is different. Like you yeah. can't apply the same things. I don't think. Yeah. 
And obviously, most most people do business in English, right? In Germany. Yeah, yeah. yeah like I'm, I'm one of the very, very, you know, like, well, I, I'm the only person at the moment. I mean, our company who who speaks like any level of German, and, and I must say that my German isn't <laughs> isn't particularly good at the moment. So, yeah, uh, I love that. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. So yeah, you just got to commit to immersing yourself in that culture and. I guess just don't be ignorant, right? And just yeah, be yeah, like be mindful of the things that you're saying. And yeah, you might have to learn some of those things the hard way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. So let let's just talk about the last sort of twelve eighteen months, and as as we come towards the end here. So you've invested a lot in yeah marketing operations admin, uh, admin assistant piece. What what else? Would you say have been like clearly you must have gone down the journey of like making sure like you've got the best possible tech stack that you feel enables you and your team to perform well? Like what are some of the the tools that you've invested in over the last 18, 24 months that you feel like you just couldn't live without now? Yeah. The most important thing that a recruiter or recruitment company can invest in is a good CRM. We use Vincere. We moved over from Vincere about two years ago and it's been probably the best investment piece of kit that we've made and this is coming from somebody who as a recruiter i was terrible at using our (laughs) database i was shocking because i was making deals and money like i I thought i don't need to input this i don't need to code this up i was lazy essentially but like as a recruiter if you really get to know your system well it can it can double triple the amount of money that you make because it works for you so yeah um cherry has been a huge one for us about a year ago, we started to move over towards like Trello for time management and for planning your days and weeks. And the consultants have handled that extremely well. So Love we that. use that not not just for like, you know, tracking candidates or making day plans, but we also use it kind of company wide to like kind of keep everyone in the loop between the marketing operations and the sales teams and myself as well. During the kind of first year of the pandemic, you know, like most people, we uh, moved over to like Teams. I'm not a big fan of Teams. I've, it just it just like killed my it killed our computers essentially. So we we moved over to um, Slack, which is a difficult word nice. for me to say, but that is that is brilliant. It, it it really has been a game changer. A for like internal collaborations so if we're yeah. at home or it's just better than WhatsApp, isn't it? It's like you don't so then, much I don't have to be speaking to my like mum or dad and then I get a work text that separates it better. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And and it's awesome because the team can collaborate better as well. There are various channels for different things going on. So they're like some really, really small things that were very impactful as well. Um we use, you know, Sourcebreaker, which is great too, although I do still think that Every recruiter should know the fundamentals of like Kabulian search. I think you need to know that. And yeah, you know, I think for me as well, like kind of using Google Sheets and as spreadsheets and docs has also like been a bit of a game game changer for me as well. And um, Calendly as well is wicked because I have ADHD and my time management isn't the best. So actually having somebody book into me is is fucking amazing is yeah yeah i love that yeah mate i love i love it's obviously clearly been on a bit of a journey on it there you said some really good good, interesting tools there so talk talk to me about i want to obviously before we finish i want to touch on like the four day working week and what you've Mm. you've noticed so far because i know you've recently implemented that so as you said like you've really grown in the last 12 like 18 18 months like what what do you put that down to out of interest like what are some of the key parts of that recipe that you think you've really got right that has enabled you to yeah b- take the the business to, to where, where the best place it has been in, in a while yeah i think the covid the the whole pandemic you know it was a bit difficult for individuals and businesses everywhere but for us it it made us it made us because we took a very kind of big i suppose risky decision back in march 2020 where we didn't put anybody on furlough, we didn't make anybody redundant. We decided as, as a team, you know, as well, that we were just going to like fight it. So we kept our marketing function when like a lot of our competitors didn't. Yeah, I got rid of that. Yeah. We had a sales team who were, you know, they weren't calling up clients saying, hey, give us your jobs because there weren't any jobs. They were calling up and with a long term kind of mindset. So, you know, we're here if you need anything. Let's catch up again you know in three months time like it was like a long-term game that mm-hmm. we played and we were giving like genuine value to our clients so our team uh, particularly our sales team they worked their asses off tirelessly during the really hard hard months march 
April, May, June, you know, those months were really fucking hard where they're working in their bedroom or, you know, in, in the mm. kitchen with their little brothers and sisters running about and stuff. And they worked their asses off in really, really tough times. And I think that made them as well. Yeah. Because if they can work through that and push through that and we obviously, you know, supported them as much as we could and wanted, you know, kind of felt that we needed to. But when the market started to pick up again, we were just starting to smash it because we learned so much and grafted so much. And also because we had that long-term game, clients were coming to us now saying, hey, you really yeah. helped us back in April because you gave us some great advice. We hosted, I think, five or six web webinars as well, which were like, you know, how to find a job in this market, how to find Brilliant. candidates, how, how to bounce back from the, you know. So we kind of took a very, very educated um, risk in terms of doing it but we hired someone in april in may and we we kind of decided to go against it and it worked and then talk to us about well i guess have you got any better at hiring for your own company yeah you still quite like <laughs> do you know what yeah. i mean because that's always a real real i mean yeah have you come to grips with like what is an absolute non-negotiable for you guys i don't know how have you got better at the hiring piece yeah, again, made all the mistakes there. And I think it's, I, I always find it amusing how crap recruitment companies are hiring for their own team. But I think, you know, it, it's a tough job to hire for because there, there, there isn't a type of person. So like you, you have to be really forensic in your in, interview process. Our, our interview process now is pretty defined and non-negotiable in terms of what we ask. And if we lose people to that, that is fine. Well, how many stages is that? It's like a free stage, essentially. But it would be like a very short telephone uh, chat with me just to find out more about Thrive and us to find out about them. And then they would talk to one of our sales managers for 30 minutes and then we would invite them into the office. So yeah. it can move very, very quick. But again, you know, it can be a bit slow, but that's fine for us. But non-negotiables for us, you know, we are very strong now in terms of what we, like we know who we are and therefore we know what kind of people we want to attract. And so our values are really important. And, and I think the yeah. biggest thing for us, you know, is empathy. It really is. We don't want any dickheads in our team. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Someone could could come in and say, I promise, you know, I've here's, here's my billions of a million pounds last 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 year but if you're a bit of an arsehole like 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 you won't come in and yeah, yeah. that's because every single person in our business is so important to us especially at this stage that mm. one person who doesn't align to those values will bring everything down so it's really important for us like empathy is mm. huge because it it not only helps collaboration in the team but it creates a really nice environment and a collaborative competitive environment too but not competitive in a in the traditional way that a lot of people might think and then i think also finally like respect because we're not like like a virtuous fluffy company like we're not doing the four day week because we're like super nice people or, or like like we don't want to have empathic people because we're super nice it's respect is important too so like respect for the company and the process that we have and the way that we do things but, but also respect to each other and respect to yourself as well. So mm. that's super important to us, those kind of two mm. or three things there. Yeah, and I think it's really, really important right now that you really stay true to those values mm. and what's important. Like I spoke to a recruitment owner this morning we we're just talking about like like we said before like it's so difficult right now like i'm sure you could look at the amount of job opportunities you have and it could be quite easy for you to sit in front of someone and go yeah they could probably come in they're not not quite right what we normally go for but let's get them in like we need help blah blah blah. it'd be quite easy to drop those standards yeah and and this guy just openly said to me like we we dropped those standards on three people we knew we were but we were busy and they're the people yeah. that ends up letting go because they, they weren't right, right? And that that will always, that's what I say to him, like, if you really know what your standards are and you hold those to even now, even how busy it is, and you know you've got opportunities that they can make you money for, like, it'll work itself out, won't it? That if you really stay true to that, it's just about working out, knowing what those yeah. things are and then staying true to it, even though it may take a bit more time. But you're going yeah. to grow more quickly if you take it more slow, if you get what I mean, rather than trying to grow really quickly, hire really quickly, and then you get quite a few of them wrong, you know? It's so tempting. It's so tempting. But, you know, like, we've had experiences too in the last few weeks even where we're like, do we, don't we? And, but it's about mm. being, like, really strong to what you believe in. And I've had some of my managers say, come on, man, we need to hide this person. It's like, no, you know. Yeah, yeah. Like, we need to just stay true to it. Yeah. yeah. And it, it and will it work itself because, out. It will work itself yeah. out. Yeah. yeah. 
So before we finish then, biggest challenge so far in the four-day working week, biggest, I guess, maybe insight um, from it so far, and then final thing is biggest surprise so far since doing it. Those three things, and we'll wrap up there. So firstly, biggest challenge so far on the four-day working week. Biggest challenge, so it's early days, you know, we're in week five now. I mean, it's early days still, but the biggest challenge so far had, was to convince some of our team members that this was a good thing to do. Um, a lot of them thought, well, we don't even have enough time in five days. How the fuck are we going to do it in four? <laughs> so that was a big like obstacle to overcome at first. In the first few weeks, you know, there was, there was you know, more stress, I guess, and pressure because the, it was very new to the guys and to me. But... In, you know, over, over the last couple of weeks, like that has noticeably increased um, and improved. But what was the second question? Biggest, biggest like learning or insight that you've sort of taken so far? Um, there is, uh, you know, I'm even more convinced now that it's, that it's the best thing to do. You know, obviously, before we did it, we did lots of research, spoke to a lot of people, and I knew it was a good idea, a good theory. But obviously, yeah. there's some doubts in your head. Is it, is it going to work? But the biggest thing I've learned is that if you trust your team, they would do spe- spectacular things. So it's, you know, we have, we're in a very, very good, good place. And I think it's for sure the right thing to have done for us. And then biggest surprise so far. Biggest surprise. Um, biggest surprise was that actually a lot of the guys aren't finding the temptation to do work on a Friday because our, our team, like most companies, you know, they're super ambitious, committed, mo- motivated. And I thought, I really don't want them to do this, but I bet, he or she is it always going to come work on Friday? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they're not, and that's great. And so the best things have happened. You know, one of uh, just just to round up on this because I think it's really nice. That's right. M- my biggest source of happiness from this four day week is that one of our guys is able to go to Juma on a Friday, which he was never able to do. He wasn't able to go to mosque on a Friday, and he's been doing this, and it's he's so so happy from it. And so. You know, that ties into the whole reason to do it. If our team are healthier, happier, more productive in those days, then everyone's going to benefit from that. I love that. John, been an absolute pleasure. Thanks for Thank being you, nothing about yourself, honest. Yeah, really excited to, to see where you guys are in the next, like, two, three years. But, yeah, kudos to you, mate, on, on building out the career that you have, despite you maybe thinking when you were younger the the things that you wouldn't be able to do so yeah honestly mate uh, it's been a real pleasure i know that you, you'd be more than happy if people want to reach out on a thing around maybe around the four 100%. day week or different things on linkedin yeah 100 percent. so yeah john thank you so much for coming on the podcast mate thanks so much for having me man well done on making it to the very end of the episode i hope you enjoyed it I've done my very best to try and level up this podcast that will hopefully mean that you can take even more learnings from these conversations and apply it to your own recruitment career like always if there are any particular topics that you would love me to cover with future guests then please get in touch with me the best place to reach me is on linkedin send me a message what would you love me to cover with future guests if you have enjoyed the podcast then it would be amazing if you could leave a honest review in your favorite podcast streaming platform that will simply mean that we're able to reach more people with this podcast i hope you enjoyed it and don't forget to subscribe completely free on your favorite podcast streaming platforms and we'll be back next week with a new episode of the recruitment mentors podcast